you know, I, every, every Sunday we've been doing this, I always walk up to Mitch and say, Mitch, you going to preach this? I don't want to. And this one is uh, probably the hardest. Because, uh, you know, some of the things that have already been shared. I'll never forget I was in, uh, in seminary. Well, no, I wasn't in seminary. Paul and I lived in Okeechobee, Florida, and uh, felt like God called us to go into ministry full-time. We felt like God told us to go to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. So uh, never been there before, just being obedient to the Lord. 24-hour drive from my hometown. So we just, you know, I go in that one day and say, Paula, we're going to sell out and go into ministry full-time. And, you know, and, and there we went. Not like that, but but I never forget we uh, we plan was to to take her and Shay, who was two years old at the time, all of our stuff, moved all of our stuff, loaded up U-Haul truck and carry it to Birmingham, Alabama, and there put all of our stuff in her brother's basement, and there Paula would stay with her parents, and she'd go up to Huntsville and stay with her parents while I went out to Fort Worth the seminary, I mean, to go out there to enroll and find a place for us to live. So anyway, it's 12 hour, well, with a U-Haul truck, it was probably about 16 hours from Okeechobee to, to Birmingham. Next day, we spent all that time putting everything in storage. Next morning, I get up and drive 12 hours from Fort Worth to, I mean, from Birmingham to Fort Worth. And I don't know anything about the place, never been there before in my life, just a believing that's what God said to and, and I knew, and so the place I was going to stay was in the dorm, the guy's dorm. And they had this place called the commuter room, which is probably about half the size of this room. And it's just a big open room with cubicles about six foot high. And the cubicles are big enough just for a twin bed and a little nightstand. And there's a place for pastors to come and stay when they take classes. And, you know, they're not staying there. They drive in and they do it. They take the classes and they spend the night and then go back home. And so, and just so happened, and this, all the people in the commuter room that night were guys who were just starting seminary. And so I got there late. It was like 10 o'clock. I've been driving all day and tired. I'm like in a strange place. And I get there and I meet a couple of guys. One guy was an older pastor who was going to start seminary. And then there was a younger guy I met, you know, who's just out of college, you know, and had this broad spectrum. But there was a whole bunch of guys. They told me there was a whole bunch of people, guys that had just gone out to eat. And they were going, they will come back later. And so anyway, but I, I go to bed, find my cubicle, and I lay down. And it's one of those nights where it's just the perfect temperature. You know how it is? Perfect. Not only being tired, but I lay down... And I go to sleep. And I am so asleep. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I feel this hand grab my leg. And I open my eyes, and there's this guy standing there. And I just reflex. I go, you better get out of here, sucker. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, and, and he's gone. And I, then, I, then I wake up. And I realize what has happened. And, and that pastor, the older pastor, was like two or three cubicles down from me. And I, I go down there and I go, hey, Jerry, uh, I think we got a problem. He goes, yeah, I know. And I go, what? 
And we go on the other side where the young guy, where I knew that younger guy's, I said, come on. And, and we got, and he goes, I said, you know who it is? I'm just whispering. I mean, I don't wake everybody up. I said, yeah. I said, go, we get the younger guy. And the younger guy that I met earlier was laying there with his covers up over his head, scared. And so we go outside and they go, yeah, it's one of the new guys coming into school with us. And so anyway, we wake him up and, and confront him. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, standing there you know, with him and he's sitting on the end of the bed and he's wringing his hands. It's what's happening is a manifestation of a spirit of homosexuality. You know, of course, I didn't, you know, I knew enough about spiritual warfare to be very, 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 very dangerous. In other words, didn't know anything. And, you know, I just told myself, this is, this is what this school's all about. <laughs> you know, I ain't going to here to school. You know, anyway, we turn, it into, turn him into the dean and, you know, and they kick him out of school. But thinking back on that event breaks my heart. Because that event occurred... And we had the opportunity to minister the love of Jesus into that guy's heart. But Phil, a religious dumbness, did not know what to do. Did not know why that kind of thing would happen. Being from Okeechobee, that kind of stuff don't happen down there. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm going, what in the world? But the thing that breaks my heart, like I said, not knowing what to do. What it's about, not understanding the circumstances. And that's what I know after share, having two words like we had today. The only way that we need to respond in a way is to share and speak of the things that, uh, how to respond. Y'all, our society today does not understand the event the things that are transpiring in relationship to sexual uh, distortions, both heterosexual and, both, and also homosexual. Our society doesn't understand it. So what's our response? Adopt it. We got a text message last night from a, from a friend who back home, she said her home pastor sharing in front of a bunch of denominational leaders shared and said, uh, his daughter is gay, and now he cannot say that homosexuality is a sin. So I'm going, you know, what that reveals is there's a man that's hurting, sees an issue going on with his daughter, does not know how to respond. So we have to say, oh, it's, it's not sin. Well, you know, this is what I, is in sharing today, in my heart, I believe that God is saying to us that we would understand not to make some big political stand, although, y'all, in our society today, it's very big. And, the, and culture is pushing the beliefs, just bulldozing now. And uh, Satan would want me to think, it's too little, too late, Rick. But I don't believe that. Because, you know, we're not speaking it for a political agenda. We're speaking it for individual lives and hearts. And so, let's get into this, what God has put in my heart today, and it's two parts. First off, we've just got to establish the truth about, you know, about the foundations of dealing with distortions of physical relationships. If we can go to the PowerPoint, is there an error person back there, Mitchie Poop, can you go back there and operate this thing? 
So, but Jared, one of you. Anyway, they're supposed to be PowerPoint. So anyway, there it is. Thanks, bro. So let's go on with this. You got it, Mitch? We're following. I guess the who was operating the PowerPoint got raptured. Partial rapture. Well, first thing we need to establish, we need to note and just establish y'all. And we did this a long, spent a long time last week talking about this, that the glory of God is, now when I say glory of God, I'm meaning glory means thoughts, opinions, and recognition. That the glory of God for, is for one man and one woman in relationship to physical relationship, one man and one woman within the context of marriage. Anything outside of that, thoughts, opinions, and recognition of God, is what we call sin. Where Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no need to spend much time on that. We've talked about it in dwelling place many times. Literally all it is, is that the God's glory in relationship to physical relationship, sexual relationship, is for there to be one man and one woman within the context of marriage. But, but as Satan is all about, he's about to destroy that which is good. And the distortions that we deal with are first off in what I just call, go to the next slide if you would, Jordan, heterosexual activity before and outside the context of marriage. And I just want to just go through the passage of Scripture. You know, just to establish the basis of truth. You know, in first, in, 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 but there's a warning here before I go on. I'm sorry, I, before I go on. There's a very, very important warning. It's in Isaiah 5, 20. Notice this. Woe to those who call good, who call evil good, and good evil who substitute darkness for light, light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, our society today is about calling bad, evil, good. That is not cool at all. God says, whoa. Notice the next one. In in Malachi chapter 2, verse 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, how have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and delights in them. Where is the God? And they also say, where is the God of justice? Now, y'all, we've got to be very careful that we don't start calling what is evil good. There's no compromise in this. We can't, there's no gray. And so let's begin in this place of dealing with heterosexual stuff. And let's, let's go here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go to the next slide, please. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, the unrighteous. Okay, the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God. But notice what it describes here and says... Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The Word of God says, don't be deceived. Now, notice how it words this. And notice how it, it, like it says, neither fornicators, 
it, it's a, it labels a person a particular thing. Why is that? Because in the spiritual realm, how things are identified are by what is done, what it does. Like a spirit of deception, they're not spirits running around with deception written across its forehead. Like, well, that's your name, deception. No. Demonic spirits, for the most part, gain their name in relationship to what they do. You know, like John the Baptist. When he came, they, Jesus is telling them, John the Baptist must come. You know, and I mean, I'm sorry, Elijah must come. And so everybody's looking for Elijah. And Jesus goes, Elijah did come. Who were? And he says, John the Baptist, paraphrase, John the Baptist. What well, was John the Baptist reincarnated? Elijah? No. In, in Luke chapter 1, it tells you that John came in the power and the spirit of Elijah. He did what Elijah did in the spiritual realm. Therefore, he, they, he had taken the title Elijah. See, what we do in the spiritual realm determines what we are. And so when it says fornicator, just ask ourselves, what do you do? And, when, so, and y'all, the thing is for us not to be deceived. Oh, well, I accepted Jesus and it covers it all. There's deception there. And y'all, the worst thing that can ever happen to me, believe me, is that you stand before the Lord and go, and you're facing stuff. Where every one of us must stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account for the things we've done in our body, whether they be good or bad. And, it's, and I go up and I say, well, it's okay. Just, you know, it's okay. No, dude, precious is the rebuke of a friend. And so, you know, or even for me, y'all, in relationship to allow the Word of God to judge my life. And so, and so when we're dealing with here, the, notice in this passage, there's ten things lifted off there, and it says, warning, don't be deceived. Four of the ten deal with sexual issues. And there's two of the four right here I want to deal with here. It's the forn fornicators, where it uses, in this Greek word, pornos. And this word porn gets some deviations from it. But it's literally a general term for sexual immorality, all types of sex before marriage, both homosexual and, and heterosexual. But it's usually in the context outside of before marriage. Adulterers, that really focuses in on a husband and wife and literally has the connotation of being unfaithful. So when it says fornicators are adulterers, you know, that's what it says. Effeminate, passive partner in home. Usually in the Greek terminology, they use this the word means to be soft. And they usually referred to the passive, uh, the, the soft member of a homosexual relationship is how the Greek term would use in history. And then the, the other one, homosexual, the Greek word for that usually communicated the more dominant term referring to, the, you know, in other words, I don't want to go into that, but catch it. So anyway, and that's that passage of Scripture. It's communicating in this past Scripture that God has purposed that literally saying the glory of God is for man, one man, one woman. Sex outside the sphere of that is sin. Don't be deceived by it. Go on to the next slide. 
literally not only are we dealing with physical relationship, but y'all, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus is a law of the heart. And so the law of the heart, if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he commits adultery with her in his heart. Now that sin is just, is not just as great, it has as great, it has a force of death on it also. The reason why I was hedging there, physical relationship is a sexual sin against the body. Looking and lusting is a sexual sin in the heart. There's a difference in how you deal with them. So in other words, when we're dealing with, God has called us into physical relationship between a man and a woman, which is a beautiful thing. Outside that, it's sin and death. Before marriage, after marriage. I don't, I mean, if, you know, before marriage you have sex, it's not cool. Like I, you heard me say last week, how many times I've done marriage counseling where people were sexually active before marriage and where it's just okay, okay. And as soon as they say, I do, so the next thing you do is, is the hindrances to have it. But you know the recourse with the world is, oh, just don't get married. Anyway, take all the issues away. No, you open other issues. Satan's glad to, to give you those things. Go on to the next slide, please. Another distortion of physical relationship is, is physical relationship within the same sex. You know, now, you know, there's big distortions in this in the homosexual community to kind of say the, you know, the, the water of the words down. But, y'all, you know, I go to Leviticus, and it's just pretty straight. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. If there is a man who lies with a male as, a, as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a testable act, and they shall surely be put to death, and their blood guiltness is upon them. Call it what it is. Go to the next slide. In the New Testament, we come along, and, and we see in Romans chapter 1, where for this reason God gave them over degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way also men abandoned their natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving their own person the due penalty of their error. This is all according to the glory of God, the truth of God, sex before marriage, without, outside the context of marriage, woman, man to woman, outside the context of marriage, before or after, is, is not cool. Homosexual relationships, which we are in our society today, the righteousness of men saying it's okay. Well, you know, it's clear according to the word of God that it is not okay. Okay? Now, here's the baseline, y'all. Well, we got to make, every one of us in this room got to make a decision. What's the baseline of truth in your life? And that's why we spent that whole, whole Sunday talking about truth and righteousness. You've got to decide. We can't decide for you. But what is the basis of truth? And uh, in this, and let's go on. There's another level of this. I'm sorry, go to the next slide. We already looked at that passage. Physical relationship with self. Now, y'all, you know, masturbation, fantasization, um, you know, to even degree, we're all kind of craziness and defilements come. Let me tell you something. And I, you say, there's no direct passage of Scripture that talk about masturbation in Scripture, but here's the reality. And here's one God gave me about here about fantasization. 
literally have an eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin. And you know, this is my conviction. This is what I believe in my heart. This is the thing that in my life there is to be zero tolerance for any form of sexual lust. Paul is it. That's my faith that I'm believing. You know, and that's what God has called us toward. In my heart, not only my body is Paula's, like it says there, wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority of his own body, but the wife does. Paula, I don't own my body. Paula does. Paula don't own her body. I do. And the reality is taking something like masturbation and self-gratification and, and exercising that in relationship to self, y'all, that's a distortion. It's contrary to the glory of God because this was not created for me. This was created for who? Paula. Now, y'all, let me just be real. Let me just so I can get something out here, y'all. One of the things that, that is so important I see guys dealing with addictions to masturbation before marriage. When they get married, they still deal with the addiction. I have ministered to men who have dealt with the addiction to masturbation while they're married. You know why? Because it's all about them. They don't risk rejection. They don't risk having to give of themselves or anything like that. It's just so easy just to satisfy yourself. It's all about me. You know, I think we ought to change that song, you know, what I told y'all before. You know, you know, the, what's the thing at the heart of worship? You know, it goes, it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about me. But we changed the words. It's all about me, Jesus. <laughs> you know, when you see things my way, you know, I alone am God and I, you surrender to my will. See, that's when we deal with sexual in relationship to self. It's all about us. And I just want to declare it, y'all. I know that some in some circles say, oh, it's okay. Well, I just want to say to you, y'all, I've never seen anything positive come out of it. I've always had to deal with the fruit of it on the flip side. And, uh, and so that the reality is, y'all, this, this is my conviction based on this passage of Scripture here. And you've got to judge what's truth for you. But this person was created for a person, Paula, not for me. And so self-gratification is not what it's about. Now, we're talking about these distortions. Why do these occur? I mean, we're going to make a difference? Can you turn out the heat, please? Take your cell phone out. You don't have to walk up there. He just calls it on his cell phone. But anyway, why these distortions? And I share these with you that you may understand what's going on. Because when we deal with distortions of like homosexuality, y'all, it is one of the most painful things that we can deal with in our society. That's why it is so deadly to deal with. It's painful. But I'm going to treat it the same as, as I would treat... Uh, adultery or fornication. You know, in the church, we have a tendency to go, oh, the level of uh, adultery and fornication is here. A homosexuality is here. For decades, we've done that. And you know why? 
that injustice there has rendered the church's voice ineffective in our society. We're no longer salt and light. We're being trampled out underfoot when the salt loses its flavor. And so our heart, my heart in sharing this stuff is that we would understand the issues we're dealing with. That you would not enter into an argument about somebody in relationship to homosexuality, whether it's a sin or not, without understanding the pain that's involved in it. We're talking about pain in some way, shape, or form. But it's also in relationship to heterosexual sex many times also. And we put up, y'all, many times in the church, we put up with homosexual, I mean, heterosexual sexual uh, distortions because we go, oh, well, that's normal. I just want to say this. No, it's not. It's not created to be normal. And y'all, it's there's natural. We're normal. Well, y'all, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Paul says, you know, when you're walking according to the flesh, are you not walking like mere men? I just want to say this, y'all. God has not called us to walk normal, to walk natural. He's called us to walk supernatural. So you can see guys like me who was totally screwed up sexually in so many other ways to have and walk in victory in so many areas of my life and be blessed with the woman of God. So let's get into this. And so if you would grant me, the first thing you've got to realize is, let me lay a foundation before I get into the specific reasons. Let's go to the next slide, Jordan, if you would. And the reality is the programming of our hearts. Now, y'all, don't just hear this. Hear it here. The programming in your heart determines how and what you see, what you, what you how did I put them in order? What you see, what you hear, what you speak, what you feel, um, how you love, how you believe, what you do, how, you know, how your spirit functions. Everything about you comes out of the program in our heart. So when we deal with homosexuality, the lie is being permeated in our society that people are created that way. That would be the cruelest thing from God to do. To create somebody physically in one way and give them, you know, and then uh, and let them be something else. And I think I shared with y'all the, the testimony about the time that the, uh, the friend of mine from the streets of Atlanta, Sasari, the black guy that was a homeless guy, and he and I confronted some, some the leaders over at Radford University about, and literally when I spoke to the leaders there and spoken to them, homosexuality is not a created issue, it's a programming issue. Because it's the heart. Out of the heart, is the issues of life. And that's this passage of Scripture. But the things that proceed out of the mouth, or what you do, whatever, proceed from the heart. Those defile the man. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are what defiles the man. The programming is the stuff. In the church, we've got to stop making, letting, realizing things are pretty and say what it is. You know, we can't be like the Pharisees. Well, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. You Pharisees and hypocrites. You clean the outside of this cup and dish, but inside's full of robbery and self-indulgence. 
And so, you know, when we deal with homosexuality, we're dealing with a heart issue. We're dealing with a programming issue. Some way, shape, or form. It's crazy. It's crazy. You cannot function any differently than your heart will allow you to. You can, you know, that's where, you know, oh, okay, don't lust, don't lust, don't lust. Okay, don't, don't look lust, don't lust. Okay, I will not lust. I will not lust. Don't, don't, don't masturbate. Don't, 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 don't. Don't look at pornography. Don't, 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 don't. And I watch people just so miserable. You know what I'm going? God. In fact, that was a place in my life. I remember when I was in seminary. I mean, I was dealing with lustful thoughts so intensely. I mean, it was killing me. And finally, I went to some guys in the church. They were like, hey, bros, man, I mean, y'all meet with me, man. I'm dealing with these lust issues. My head feels like a rubber band, a rubber ball with a rubber band on it, a wooden paddle. Bum, bum, bum. Just I'd cast the lustful thought out, and it'd come flying back. We met that Saturday, and the Lord revealed two major strongholds in my heart that set me free. Because why? The programming in my heart was to what? Lust. So what was I going to do? That's my program. A man looks at a woman to lust after her. He's committed adultery with her. Where? In his, where? In his hard disk. You know, it's like you've got a screen on your computer. You know, you got type stuff there. You know? You type on your screen. I, I had a computer just recently. Every time I'd type, get a whole bunch written, all of a sudden it'd go boof. And I'd lose it. <laughs> I'd lose it. Why? Because I hadn't saved it where? On the hard disk. That's the heart. But you type something on the screen of our conscious minds, you push save, it comes into your heart. You look at a woman to lust after, put it on the screen of your heart, push save. And there are certain things that cause it to go from the screens to the save mode in your heart. But it's the heart issue. You've got to run virus scans to deal with this issue. So when we're dealing with this, because so, realize this, go to this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty to God for the destruction of fortresses or literally strongholds. And it starts to tell us types of strongholds. We're destroying speculations. Well, that Greek word there, you've heard me say many times before, the Greek word there for speculation is a Greek word for conclusion, like 2 plus 2 equals 4. Janelle had a conclusion that she was not worthy. So she had, that was the conclusion in her heart. That's the program in her heart. So she acted that out. Can't do anything different. Oh, you can for a short time, but you'll, you'll fall back into it. So when we're dealing with homosexuality or heterosexual distortions, we're dealing with programming of the heart. And let's find out some of the things. These are some of them that I know have create these distortions. First one is, notice this in John chapter 4, literally where, where I say when soulish needs, when a need is exposed, we will be tempted to fill the need fleshly or soulishly. See, now, you and I, God has created for us to dwell in fullness, both spiritually, physically, and soulishly. And soul, the soul is made to know it's loved, identity, acceptance, worth, intimacy, purpose, security, forgiven, need to be needed. Your soul is created to know that. Adam and Eve in the beginning, they knew they had an identity. They knew they were loved. But when centered in our world, all of a sudden, our hearts with like styrofoam cups 
and the world comes with these pins and starts poking holes in the styrofoam cups of our hearts and we manifest needs. We leak in love. We need love or identity or acceptance and because that's the nature of this world. Now you can have the best parents in the world, but I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen the perfect parents because I know I wasn't. And I, you know, there's distortions in any way, shape, or form. And the first area is, is that I know that without a shadow of a doubt is that when these needs are manifested, what happens to people, they start trying to, to look them at, to feel them. Um, like, for example, Janelle spoke it here a few minutes ago, but I can't tell how many times I've sat in that place, and I think I shared it here before, that I sat in front of a woman who said to me, I was dealing with sexual addiction, and they looked, and when we started dealing with the root issues, there was a craving within their heart, a need in their heart to be loved and accepted by a man. See, that's, that's what parents are for, to prepare the hearts of young boys and young women to know they're loved, accepted, they're beautiful, they're secure. That's why, you know, that you've heard me say before that it's so important for parents to hold their kids, speak into their kids. Max and Francis will be here next weekend, by the way, and I guarantee you I will make up a whole lot of lost time holding and hugging, and I know Shay does a lot of it, and Leela do a lot, does a lot of it, but I'm going to help them in it. Because I want Michelle... Francis and Max said, no, they are altogether beautiful. They are, you know, they are. He is an awesome man of God. She is an awesome woman of God. I speak in their God's will into their lives. That, you know, that they're loved, they're safe, they're secure. Because when those needs are not met, what happens is we get deceived into trying to sedate them in some other way. One of the most popular ones is the woman at the well where she comes to Jesus and Jesus says give me some water and you know anything about wells got to do with relationships and where all of a sudden Jesus says about a water whoever drinks this water that I will give him shall never thirst again in other words I'm going to give you a relationship you'll never thirst again and then he goes on but the water I give you will come in him a well of water springing up eternal life and the woman said, sir, give me this water. She knows he's on, he know, she knows he's on something. And he said to her, go and call your husband. Come here. <laughs> and the woman said, sir, I have no husband. Ah, oh, you said right. You have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. Because Why? She's got this need in her that she's been trying to fill with men. And so she tried one. It didn't work. She tried another. It didn't work. And she tried another. It didn't work. She tried another. It didn't work. She tried another, and it didn't work. So she's probably so filled with shame. This don't work, so let me just live with one. Because what will happen is when you feel that need of love, we're created to run to God. But it's so easy. Satan's there before you when that need of love or identity comes up. And he'll give you something. Like a friend of mine, a real good friend of mine, who shared his testimony here about homosexuality a long time ago. David Davis uh, wrestled with, I mean, was, was in the hardcore homosexual lifestyle for years. But one of the things was, David was created 
but it was raised up in a home. A father was an alcoholic, absent father, and didn't know who he was as a, as a man, always in this place of very artsy. So as a boy growing up, needing to know who he was, nobody there to speak into him. And so in that place, all of a sudden, he's in need. His soul's longing for it. And guess what? Probably somebody sees him as, you know, artsy. I can't remember the details of his testimony, but I know Satan filled it. Oh, you must be gay. You don't like football? Or all of a sudden, maybe some guy who's dealing with lust issues also just approaches him. And all of a sudden, in the midst of these physical distortions, he receives a conclusion in his heart. Oh, acceptance and identity is with another guy. His heart's programmed. So the first distortion you're dealing with is in the area of needs. And that's the huge. I could spend here the whole time. The second one is, is in relationship to the influence of sinful flesh. Y'all, let me just say this. Flesh is flesh. It's, the only way Jesus is dealing with flesh is condemning sin in the flesh. He hung on the cross that he may deal with it. But here's the unfortunate thing. Flesh is the expression of it. One of the major things of it is your physical body. And, you know, I, I always wrestle with this. I'm, God, why, why is this? You know, we get born again. We're new creations in Christ in the spiritual realm. We're new in our souls. That's which is our mind and our hearts being renewed. But why is it we're stuck in this physical body that just is permeated with sin? Like Hebrew, I mean, Romans 6.12. Don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust. And there's a passage in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul says this. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And it goes on to say that we should not trust in ourselves but in him. Now, I know us. I know me. If, you know what? If I didn't have to believe God every day for my victory over issues, I, I could very easily kick back up. Oh, Okay, I've arrived. <laughs> I've got it. I thought that before, too. If you were honest with yourself, you thought it, too. But that's why all of a sudden, if at any point in time I stop pursuing the heart of God and the relationship with God, anytime I stop, guess what pops up in my life? Flesh. Because, y'all, you realize this, okay? Imagine this. Get busy, you know, I mean, normal for me to get up way early in the morning. So stop, you know, I've got to get up in the morning. I'm in Florida doing business. Let's say this, I'm getting up every morning to go someplace like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, get there, and I'm working, you know, 12, 16 hours a day. You know, don't have time to quote just in, just in so into the Lord. Well, maybe do I do the token quiet time. Okay, what's the verse today? Oh, okay, you know. Yeah, Jesus, bless this day and go on. But y'all, the swivel chair of my soul focus leaves the spirit and focuses into the flesh. Do you know what pops up into my life? It starts in the levels. Uh, maybe just a little bit of, you know, uh, impatience. Because the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. But you know, maybe this little impatience will pop up. Oh, you know, in short with her. You know, but then if I stay in the flesh, y'all, you know what I'll start to deal with? 
you know what? If it keeps going, I'll start to deal with what? Anger. And then it starts to cascade. It'll get bigger. And it can start to open up issues of stuff that I put to death for years. You know, like, you know, all of a sudden lust starts coming in a relationship to women. And I'm just convinced of this, y'all. You know what it'd take for me to enter into everything that I did in the past? You know what I'd have to do? Nothing. We're in a boat. In this world, this world is passing away. You get in this boat of this world and you try to just don't row it, you go and it's, you're up the creek without a paddle. You'll just go right off the thing. But there's victory in it, y'all. And I don't want to put a hopelessness there, but I just want you to communicate something, y'all. Sinful flesh is sinful flesh. And when, and people who do not know Jesus, their nature is to what? Sin. And y'all, there's not good sin and bad sin. Sin, sin. That's why if you look, the deeds of the flesh are evident. And they list all of them out, a whole bunch there, y'all. Murder, anger. Because God, why? Any one of us, our flesh can do whatever. And so, and when this stuff starts happening, y'all, you know how old I was when I started dealing with sexual distortions? Five. I didn't know anything, but I don't know how I knew there. Why? Because flesh. And my parents never spoke into me stuff, and so guess what? And so anyway, they, you know, the, the reality is flesh is flesh, and so all of a sudden it can go any, any direction in any way, any point in time. All that Satan has to do is just bait it in certain ways. Anyway, so, so, you know, those are just basic. The third one I want to speak in here really quick, and this sounds kind of crazy, but uh, this is generational curses. It creates an atmosphere. Now, I want you all to think about this. Why did David sin with Bathsheba? And you remember, you've got to realize this. There was a generational curse on the line of David. There was a generational blessing, but there was a curse on the line of David that was not dealt with. It's very interesting to me. Because you'll notice here, Solomon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. You'd see in the mother's mention. And Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. And you don't see the mother of David mentioned. Because Why? David, it says in Psalm 51.5, David cries out. It says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. You remember what I shared with you all a couple of weeks ago is about David. When Samuel came to De Jesse's house, where's all the sons are there except for who? David, he's where? He's outside. Do you think it's because he's young? No, because he was the stake. A generational curse will visit itself on the third and fourth generation. Interesting thing to me, how generational curses. Generational curse, what it does, it creates an environment for something to occur. It doesn't mean it will automatically occur, but it creates the environment for something to occur. When we're dealing with the generational curse of, like, of, uh, of adultery, it creates an environment to occur. Uh, homosexuality, there'll be generational curse for it to occur. Be pressure for it to occur. Spiritual pressure, temptation in that area. Interesting thing to me. 
third generation down. Generational curse visits on the third and the fourth generation. I'll skip the first and the second. Why? God's given opportunity for it to be dealt with. Jesse deals with one sin with, with David. David takes it to another level. Bathsheba. And how many wives did David have? You know, he was not, it was God prophesied and told in Deuteronomy 17 that the kings of Israel would not have wives multiply wives to themselves. David violated the very commandment of God in that. So David goes to another level in this. But then Solomon tops it all. Because why? This pressure in the spiritual realm to cause this issue to occur was not dealt with. And I don't know why. But I see it. You see it cascading down. What one generation wrestles with. And get, the next generation will accept that and take it to another level. That's what a generational curse will do. It will take it. And that's why, here's the cool thing, y'all. Generational curses Jesus dealt with on the cross. And we can deal with them and say, enough is enough. That the generations after this are generations holy and righteous. That's what I declare in my generations. Mitch, and, you know, whatever. I don't say you got those in, my, in your past, but maybe. But it's something to consider. Because when you're praying and dealing with these issues, they sneak up on you. And so when we're talking about sexual distortions, we're dealing with either soulish needs, we're dealing with... We're dealing with uh, lust or we're dealing with generational curses. Let me go on real quick before I run out of time. The inter other interesting thing is what we're talking about spirits of deception. This one, this one is crazy to me. Notice this passage in Hosea. My people consult their wooden idol and their diviner's ones. I know this is in relationship to idolatry, but notice for a spirit of harlotry has led them astray and they have played the harlot departing from their God. I know of two times at least that I've ministered to. One time there was a lady that was sent to me who was a secretary for a, a national, international minister. If I mentioned his name, you'd probably know him. But he was sent here to our church for help. This woman, what had happened, did, she was married, had kids, and she enters into a, a homosexual relationship with another woman. And she comes up here for help, and she, her cry is, how did I get here? How did I get here? You know, you know and when we, when, when, you know, the whole thing blew up on her and where she had gone in this relationship, she's going, how did I get here? How did I do that? I never dealt with this stuff before in my life. I was never thought and tempted to deal with homosexuality. But how do I get in a lesbian relationship with another woman? Ever. Spirit of deception. And do not think that any one of you in this room are immune to a spirit of deception. Do you know what you have to do to lay waste to the, the effects of spirit of deception? Pay attention to it. First Timothy 4.1. In the last days, many will fall away from the faith. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Be careful. Let me tell you something. The spirit of homosexuality is very, very powerful. Any one of us in this room could be seduced by it if you drop your guard. That's why the word's God. 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the fact of the matter is there's people in, in, in physical, distorted physical relationships just out of, just plain and simple, a demonic spirit just let them there. It's kind of crazy to me. Ted Haggard, the champion of, of the voice against homosexuality in, in Colorado, in the nation, ends up in a homosexual relationship. How does that happen? Do you think he was just a hypocrite all along? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the guy began with a good heart. But a bunch of factors coming into his life at a bunch of different act, uh, angles, and he gets seduced. Doing Now he's a laughing stock. And that's what Satan will do. He'll, he'll deceive you, use you, and throw you away. And it's real. It is real, a deceiving spirit. Let's go on. This was interesting to me. Our society literally can create a culture of brokenness and distortion. Look at this passage in Ezekiel 16 where God is rebuking Israel in relation. And he says, As I live, declares the Lord, Sodom, your sister, and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Get this. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. And you've heard me read this before. You know, when people think about Sodom and Gomorrah, the sin, you think there was sexual immorality. No, it wasn't. That was not the main issue. That was a fruit, not the root. And literally, as he says, she and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. In other words, what you had a society that was so self-centered in itself, rich, increased with goods. Y'all, I'm going to be honest with y'all, I just, I'm sorry for saying this, but at some point in time, if the fruit of our labors are not manifested, I think God's going to have to repent to Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's, I am, I'll be honest with you, I am afraid for our nation. I can't pick up the newspaper. I mean, I don't pick up the newspaper anymore. Fox News or CNN. And not read some article about some kind of sexual distortion being promoted in our country. I'm going, God. And uh, you start reading, this is the guilt of this sister Sodom. Is it accidental that homosexuality is starting to become so prominent in our country? No, I don't think so. I think it's the fruit of what's going on. Second thing that a, that a society can do is, is that it creates false beliefs. We were in, the, I took the interns last May to Indianapolis and we were doing something out there and, and uh, we were doing these prayer walks in the main square there and uh, because about three weeks after that they were having this gay pride thing where like, I mean I think close to, I think, seventy to 80,000 people, homosexuals from all over the country descend on, on uh, um, Indianapolis and they have a big gay parade down the main center part of, of, uh, of, of Indianapolis. And they got all these booths up on the center part set up and all promoting homosexuality. And y'all, as we were praying that day, I couldn't help but think about 
the parent who may be unknowingly going down to the park on a pretty spring day with their kids and just not really thinking or knowing what's going on. And all of a sudden they go down there and all of a sudden they see men kissing men and women kissing women and doing all kind of crazy stuff. And I'm going, what do those kids see? And all of a sudden, literally what you're seeing there, society creates false beliefs like we see here in this king in Jerusalem. Moreover, he made high places in the mountains of Judah, caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot that then led Judah astray. Because what can happen is a society creates false beliefs, false conclusions in the heart about unsuspecting. And so this is why it's so crucial for us to be able to speak truth into the next generation, for you and I to understand the gen generation, that the created purpose of a man and woman, I mean, it fixes a relationship is for a man and a woman within the context of marriage and be able to speak that, not in, in legalism or condemnation, but, y'all, it's the beauty of it. Because what happened in our society today, the reality is, y'all, the normal time up to this point in time in years past, any time I was dealing with, not any time, but the vast majority of the times I was dealing with sexual immorality, I mean homosexuality, it was usually like 75% of the time. I would say it was abuse. It's not so anymore. It's not so anymore. Because you know why? This game is so forced. I'll tell you, y'all would be surprised. Christiansburg High School, Blacksburg High School, how many kids are wrestling with the temptation to be bisexual? Because why? Our government and our society is establishing it. Is so. Y'all remember years back? Remember when President Clinton was president and he got in this thing with uh, Monica Walensky? And there was, a, there was a plague of oral sex plaguing all the way down to junior high, high school. They were, I remember reading this article about principals in, in schools saying the issue they're dealing with was kids going off just having oral sex. Why was that? Our society establishing something. Our national leader. Oh, that's not sex. It's our culture creating this environment. So when you deal with the issue, you've got to come out and you deal with it from a false conclusion coming from our culture. That's why it's getting complicated today, y'all, uh, to deal with this issue. 10.30. Yeah, Jesus. Physical abuse, like I said a while ago. The number of people that uh, I prayed with that said they've been dealing with homosexuality, that it began. You heard Tulio. Tulio, I pressed him on it this week. I said, all right, Tulio, did you deal with any homosexual thoughts before 10? No. And other persons that I've, you know, just in preparing for this, making sure that I represented truth that I knew that it was abuse issues. Was it abuse? Physical abuse, because what happens is, all of a sudden, the, that abuse will occur, and they'll go, I guess that's who I am. I guess that's who I am. And so, you know, because, you know, in Matthew, look at this, y'all, in Matthew chapter 18. This is very interesting to me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a mill, heavy millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. 
For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to the man through whom they stumbling blocks do come. And if you read that all the way down the context, it begins talking about children and ends talking about children. And that whole context of stumbling blocks has got to do with child abuse. And you know, because what it does is it creates that when that abuse occurs, it creates that imprintation in the heart. Like, it, it's so susceptible. And so that abuse can occur. And it prints heart. Or heart. But let me just say this all. The potential of it can cause it too. I've heard people who were wrestling with their soulish needs were being exposed. And they were maybe having identity issues also in the place of uh, they're being real artsy and all this kind of stuff. And, and all of a sudden somebody will come along with a, a homosexual spirit and come and approach them. And, and all of a sudden this person will approach them and try to put a pass on them. And they resist. And they'll receive the conclusion. Well, why did they do that? I must be gay. I want to say this, y'all. When that guy grabbed my hand, I grabbed my leg, I know it is. I ain't gay. But he grabbed my leg. And I know, you know, and so I'm just going to say that, y'all. When somebody approaches you, I don't know, somebody needs to hear that. Somebody approached you. That does not, is not a slam on you. To be abused by somebody is not a slam on you. That's Satan trying to stumble and cause those who believe in me to stumble. So, for abuse. Let's go on. Verbal abuses. These, these, were, these are interesting. In Proverbs 18, 21, the power of death and life are in the tongue. Think about it, y'all. The power of the death and life are in the tongue. Words like this. Oh, you must be gay. Queer. Y'all, don't. If you ever hear a little kid get spoken over, you're gay, queer, homo, jump on it. Jump on it quick. Because Satan is assaulting that kid. Big time. And I can't, I, how many times I've heard this one? They told me I was. I must be. So you receive it. Remember, heart programming in your heart. Words spoke, powerful. You receive it down in the heart. And receive it. Oh, it must be so. You program in the heart. As a man thinks in his heart, what? So he is. So he's called gay. He receives it. He goes, he thinks. So anyway, let's go on. We've got kids coming in. Traumatic events. I don't have a PowerPoint for that. I don't know. There's not a past scripture about it. But I just want to say this, y'all. Traumatic events are very deadly. One time there was a young girl came to me and she said, Rick, I'm dealing with lesbian thoughts. I... And I started then to asking her all the standard questions about why she was dealing with homosexuality. And she goes, and, and everything was no, no, no. And I'm going, and it, again, big pressure about that's how people are created. It was on, a, on the campus. And I'm going, and you're going, oh, God, what is going on here? Because if she leaves here with this situation, and I, you know, she's going to think she's created that. And so I, we start praying, and the Lord revealed that when she was 12, 12 years old, She's at school. Her mom never said anything about periods. Good parents, though. Awesome parents. But her mom just didn't want to go there. Said nothing about periods. She gets, she gets it. She's at school. She has her first period unexpectedly. I mean, the trauma of that is not cool. 
she, her mom comes to school to pick her up, carry her home, to help her, brings her home, and she, has, she was good Italian family. Grandmother greets her at the door. Oh, this is so wonderful. Now you can be with men and have babies. What in that little girl's heart? That this is being with men and having babies? Heart. That was the root. That was the root. That woman today is married, happily married, with multiple kids. Precious woman of God. Victorious in that. Because that was the root issue where the lie about who she was entered her heart. Sins of omission. In Hebrews 12.8, if you're without discipline, fatherless or motherless, of which you all become partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Come here, Mitch. I know this is going long, but I'm going to tell you something. I, right now, my heart is broken for people in this room to hear this. Uh, sins of omission. A son or a daughter is raised up to hear their hearts that's where believing occurs. To hear their love. To hear that who they are. To hear their hearts be developed to know that who they are. That they're safe. And to know those things. But when we're fatherless or motherless in those areas, our hearts are undeveloped. And you've heard me see me do this illustration, but I'm going to do it again. Imagine Mitch is born and we tie his arm off. We just tie it off. And, and so, so after, say, for four years, we leave his arm tied off. And so then we untie it and say, this is the truth of God. So, I love you. So all of a sudden, here, Mitch, catch. Do you think he could catch this? No, he couldn't catch it. He's, the sins of omission you know, in his heart would not prepare his heart to receive the truth of who he is. And I know this, thanks. I know this to be so true. Uh, because when our hearts are not prepared to receive the truth, it leaves us susceptible to receive the lies. Because Satan will come and stick the lies on you. You don't have to necessarily receive the lies. Satan will put them on you. And that's why it says this. If your hearts are not prepared or developed to hear the truth, you're very susceptible to the lies. Because you have... Because truth you receive. Lies are plastered to you. Satan will plaster the lies to you. God comes, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in. Lies, Satan comes like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And I'm going to be honest with you, y'all. To my conviction, one of the greatest perpetuators of homosexuality and also sexual, heterosexual perversion is fatherlessness and motherlessness. Sins of omission. It's massive. It is massive. Not just because they, quote, have good families. Externally. I'm talking about places that where you're spending time into it. And uh, who did I call? You. It's last week. I think it was you. 
Where are you at, Mitch? I call him. What, what you doing? I think it was you. <laughs> he said, I think you said, I, was it you said I took Kenzie out? Took Kenzie out. Somebody was took, took her daughter out. Just take her daughter out. I can't remember who it was. And I go, you go, dude. You go. And y'all, I shared nine things that can think about, meditate. I could spend a whole sermon speaking on all these things. But I want to say this. And if you'll notice in my notes, Jordan, put up the next slide. I want to say this. But Jesus. All these sound bad, but you know what? I want to declare this. But Jesus. There's Tulios. There's Janelles. There's Rick Sizemores. But Jesus. And I love this. Such were some of you. And this, y'all, this is verse 11. That's right after verse 9 where it lists off fornicators and adulterers, effeminates, murderers, and all that stuff. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus and in the Spirit of God. Because of that, notice the results. That's 6.11. Look at verse 19. Go to the next slide. Do you not know? Your body is a what? Temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You whom you have from God in that you are not your own. That physical body is not yours. For you have been bought with a price. What's the price that's been paid for us? What? What, Tina? Blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. So can I ask we do something here? Can we close this out? In this way, I just really feel led to do this with a confession. I just want to confess truth. Can y'all just follow me on this? We're going to, you know, you, this may not be true for you right now, but we're going to confess it in faith. That what's going on in your life, the actions that are happening in your life will come in line with the confession of God's truth. We'll bind it to you. Giant Holy Ghost rubber band pulling you to it. The truth of it. Yeah, could you stand? So if you just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I declare with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Therefore, I have a promise that I am saved. I declare in Jesus' name that in you I have been washed with the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness of my sins. So, Lord, I renounce right now any form of sexual immorality in Jesus' name. The sins of my past, I release in Jesus' name. And I confess into my life that I have been washed, that I have been sanctified, that I have been justified. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I confess into my life that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, 
by the grace of God, I will glorify my glorify God in my body. I will present my body to you, O God, as a holy and living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Holy, blameless, yeah. Now, will y'all go now and go minister people deliverance? All right? Um, right before you go, a um, couple of quick things that since we didn't really do announcements. Just remember Monday, there's a healing meeting, and there's also um, an outreach for them. Tuesday's prophetic, and Wednesday we're coming back here to really walk with this thing out as well. So whether you're dealing with it or you're not dealing with it, come so you can help deal with it if you're not dealing with it. So... Uh, and also there's freedom teams. So, Lord, we just thank you for today, God. And I do pray that, God, as we made confession and as we made declaration, God, it would be just, there would be supernatural sealing, God. And I just heard even this morning that, that there's been scales that have fallen off eyes. And, Lord, that you would just uh, get them to the right place, the right people, Lord, the body, God, to be able to process those things through, God, as, as, as they walk through these things. God, we just ask in Jesus' name that you continue to just declare protection and life, God, over uh, every person in here and every child, every family, God, that you would continue to walk with us in power. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So come back Wednesday if you can. We'll start living to learn the next week after that. All right. Have a great week. If you need anybody to pray with you, feel free to come and we'll pray.